There's three types of podcasters. There's the podcasters who are trained audio professionals and who know how to set set up their stuff so that they get the best audio quality and everything. Then there's people who learn from the people who know how to do things or they Google it. And then the third type is people who are like just prepare dinner while recording the podcast with the microphone next to the cutting board. It's fine. <laughs> it's so funny. And then there's also the celebrities that just show up in a recording booth and think that the podcast manifests as soon as they're done. Bip, yeah, bop, bam. You know. You know how it is. <sighs> I never looked into after Adam Devine said that to see if his podcast just got wiped off of the face of the planet after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if he didn't wipe it himself, the editors probably did. God. I simply choose not to believe in celebrity podcasts. They don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, do we want to talk about Glee? If we must. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Bienvenidos a Perdedor Como Yo, el podcast que ve cada episodio de Glee y luego los revisa. Not bad. Yeah, thank Google Translate for that. <laughs> I, I also was commenting on your pronunciation. Hi, my name is Christina, and I have a Spanish minor, and I am not afraid to use it. I'm Tanner, and I had noodles with the president and a three-way with Michael Phelps. And we have a guest today! Hello, I'm Marn, and I took uh, two years of AP Spanish, and I remember none of it. <laughs> Wait, y'all had AP Spanish? Yeah! Holy cow. I think my school went up to Spanish 4, I think. Mine had it that Spanish 4 and 5 were the AP classes. I don't know if that is, like, correct. Huh. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Canada. We learned French, allegedly. But I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before on this show that in middle school, my French teacher just, like, got sick and disappeared. So we had a substitute who didn't speak any French, and we spent the rest of the semester just playing cribbage. Oh, I had a similar situation with my physics class in my junior year. My physics teacher, like, was very ill and, like, missed the whole year, and... They could not find a teacher who knew how to teach physics, so they just, like, stuck us with the sub and made us, like, sit there and read the textbook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, and then the the craziest part was when the sub got sick, so we got a substitute for the sub. Oh, my God. And he did speak French, <laughs> so he's trying to, like, teach us based on where we would be in the original, original lesson plan. Oh, no. And we didn't know anything, and he's like... What have you guys been doing all year? And we're like playing card games, reading <laughs> books, watching Bill Nye, like oh, everything but learning French. <laughs> it just substitutes all the way down. Exactly. Pay teachers more. <laughs> Literally. Please pay teachers more. 
Unless their name is Will Schuster. Yes. <laughs> yes. Unless it's Will Schuster, in which case, pay him pennies on the dollar. <laughs> Force him out of the business. Mm-hmm. So yeah, today, if, if you didn't catch on, today we are talking about Glee Season 3, Episode 12, The Spanish Teacher. It aired on, at some point, uh... <laughs> February 7th, 2012, it was directed by Perez Barclay and written by Ian Brennan. Hey, Tanner. It's an episode. We forgot, hey. to, we forgot to ask Marn about uh, about your history with Glee, the TV show, and the extracurricular, if you have any. Oh, boy. Uh, I watched quite a significant amount of Glee while it was airing. Mm. And I... Hold on, let me look at the season list to see if I can figure out exactly where I dropped off. I think I dropped off in the middle of season five. Holy cow, that's farther than I made it. And I never came back. That makes sense because that's when it got real bad. Yeah. I I thought earlier this year about like finding where I left off and just like watching the rest. And I was like, I don't think that I want to do that, actually. <laughs> like, I think I good i think you made the right decision <laughs> my hot take is that i like season six and season six is good enough that it actually makes season five even worse interesting oh boy because it's like you could have been doing this in season five and you just chose not to i i can kind of see that i i am tempted to try to watch season six because i i like vaguely know a bunch of the stuff that happens in it but i've never watched it like it's it's definitely stupid but it loops back around so that's enjoyable mm. <laughs> Were you ever in choir as a kid? I was not. I um. So I went to a magnet high school for the arts, and I was in the creative oh. writing magnet. So I oh, was cool. a school literary journal kid. Nice. So you weren't living that victorious life. You were living that struck by lightning life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, I, I have to ask, Marn, since you went to specifically a magnet school for the arts... Were there a lot of kids who either loved or despicably hated Glee in your high school? <laughs> I feel like, so I wasn't in very tight with the vocal music kids. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were mostly aggressively neutral to it. Really interesting. Because <laughs> a, uh, a lot of the vocal music kids in our school didn't do like glee club stuff they were being like classically trained for the most part ah so they just chose not to see it yeah i feel like probably the theater kids were into it but i also wasn't friends with a lot of theater kids so i couldn't tell you because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we we also had two different sub genres of theater kid like you could be in like the acting program or you could be in the design and production program really interesting mm-hmm. And and most of my friends were in DP, so I didn't, like, interact with most of the acting kids. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, like, Glee and Victorious are, unfortunately, like, the closest comparisons I have to the school that I went to. Because every time I tell people about it, they're like, uh-huh. your school sounds fake. Like, you had a piano <laughs> in the cafeteria where people would just, like, get up and play songs during lunch. That oh doesn't my happen. god. No! <laughs> Dag, we should have had you on for season three, episode one, the purple piano project where the whole thing uh-huh. is put a piano in the cafeteria. Like that, <laughs> that actually happened, except I can tell you from experience that if you put a piano in a room full of teenagers, the only songs most of them will know how to play are uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and music from Homestuck. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. I thought you were going to say like heart and soul or something. Nope. We had a kid who would just get up and play Homestuck music like every lunch period. Oh my god. Really, no one was having like a rent moment? No! It was like Bohemian Rhapsody or fucking nothing. <laughs> Oh my god. When when I was in high school drama, I know there was like a kid or two who kept on trying to make a rent moment happen. Oh my god. Oh no. There's always one. And then in grade 12, when I was in a different school, there was a kid who was trying to make a uh, In the Heights moment happen. Holy shit. Because <sighs> this was, oh my gosh, I'm just thinking now because my, when I was in theater in that school, that was pre-Hamilton, so I can only imagine how obnoxious the theater kids would have been during Hamilton if I was still in high school oh, then. Oh no. Oh, I, don't, oh, I can't no. even think about that. That's too upsetting. <laughs> it's the same thing where people were like, can you imagine how obnoxious Glee would have been if Hamilton had come out during the run of Glee? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, the kid who was to make, trying to make the In the Heights moment happen was also the big Glee person. And he would come in. And th- this was only during season one. People were like, Oh my gosh! And did you see? Did you see they were doing total eclipse of the heart in the ballet studio? And I'm like, yes, yes, we we did see that. It, it, yeah, they sang good. <laughs> you have a deep, deep fascination with Jonathan Groff, and we're not going to press you on that. Oh my god. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's so funny to me because I I hung out with mostly like the writing kids, and I felt I feel like we were all into either like. Everyone in the writing program was either deeply into, like, Super Hulak or deeply into, like, Hannibal when it was airing. <laughs> uh, yep. And those were, like, the TV shows that we talked about. <laughs> yep. That tracks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, my, my high school friends, outside of choir, my high school friends were all anime and uh, Channel Awesome. That also tracks. We were the, the local Channel Awesome fandom. God. I, I feel like in high school, my friends were, my, my, my friends who were not into Glee, which was everybody except for me and two of my friends. Everyone else was into like, like Supernatural, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings. Probably a couple of us were into Homestuck, homestuck but weren't talking about it with the others, which is probably for the best in the long run. <laughs> Closet Homestucks. I guess, and uh, <laughs> the rest of us were just into, like, anime and, I think, Naruto in specific. Yeah, I, most of my friends were into anime and Homestuck, and that was, like, what we talked about. <laughs> Anyways, enough for reminiscing about high school. Let's talk about high school. This episode <laughs> is, it sure is an episode of Glee. Yeah, and I mentioned this to Tanner yesterday, but I want to get it on air, too, that I would like to name this episode, or at least submit a name at the beginning of the recording. Guillermo recibe una lección. Will gets schooled. Oh my god. This is not a very favorable episode, Tim. No, it's not. Yeah, the, it, it is a rare gem in that it says Will Schuster is bad at his job. <laughs> it's a rare gem in that it agrees with the fandom and also is still accurate in 2022. 2023. That's what year it is now. It's January. Only two years until your dentist spontaneously becomes Latino. Oh my god. <laughs> so, this episode is entitled The Spanish Teacher, which we mentioned what feels like 35 minutes ago. <laughs> and the whole episode is, like, about Will and how he does or does not teach Spanish. He does not. He distinctly does not. He does not. The episode starts with Will and... The Glee guys performing 
La Cucaracha in full sombrero and poncho and maracas. Full Party City mariachi costumes. Yes. And as as he's looking around the room at the students who are all varying degrees of appalled, he he asks himself, how did I become so out of touch? Immediately as this episode started, I was like, oh no, it's this episode. <laughs> like, this is the episode, huh? <laughs> yeah. I I especially love Santana. This is kind of her mood for the whole episode. She's definitely trying to, like, manifest laser eyes yes. so that she can kill Will Schuster. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. And blessedly, we cut to Will being reprimanded by Principal Figgins. Because, what a surprise. Someone complained about his teaching methods, specifically in regards to Spanish, not in regards to the Glee Club. And They should have complained about it for the Glee Club, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Figgins says, William, will you please remove that ridiculous sombrero so I can lay it down for you? And God, I missed Figgins. <laughs> but, okay, so, but Figgins, Figgins' solution is, Will, get your act together so I can give you tenor. Because... the. The history teacher has dementia, or she pulled a sliders and came in from another universe, uh, and is now trying to teach the kids that the Nazis won the war. Yeah, that was like a crazy cutaway that they never addressed again. That's Glee. Don't worry about it, she's retired. Yeah, and Figgins is like, oh, and we have the, and this position is one that could be tenured, and I said out loud, to me and my cat and my TV screen. Bitch, they have tenure? <laughs> this is a high school. Nobody gets tenure in high school. Yeah. They have one tenure. Yeah, the whole premise that this episode revolves around is kind of insane if you think about it too long. It, it, it revolves around a fundamental misunderstanding on the writer's part about how literally how school works it's like mm -hmm. they could have just been competing for a promotion yeah or like a, a pay raise. raise yeah i remember people getting angry about this on the glee forum back then too and i think the justification someone came up with is that like the school used to have tenure way back in the day and they only have one tenure position and the history teacher has it because she's been with the school like since it was founded that's their headcanon so there's just, like, one tenured position grandfathered in. That's doing a lot of work for a TV show that isn't doing yeah. work itself. <laughs> that feels like a crazy amount of justification. <laughs> it's Glee. You gotta do a crazy amount of justification to make it work. It's, like, it's even weirder because of, like, the solution that they come up with at the end of the episode. <laughs> it's, it's truly a Kansas City shuffle of teaching positions. <laughs> yeah. And... Will's solution to being told, maybe you should actually fucking learn how to speak Spanish, is that he goes to take a night class, which is just his Spanish classroom with the lights turned off. Yep. <laughs> it's mood lighting. I guess it's mood lighting, but it's being taught by Ricky Martin, who I just refer to in my notes as Ricky Martin, mm -hmm. because yeah. that's his character. This this was the hey remember when last week we were talking about it was kind of like the heyday of Michael Jackson. This was the heyday of Ricky Martin, or like the second heyday of Ricky Martin, where he had just come out and everyone was super excited that he was back and Ryan Murphy had decided to make him his new guy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it 
It was six years until we got to the assassination of Johnny Versace, but I'm pretty sure Ricky Martin was the first person that Ryan Murphy signed on because that thing was in production for a fucking long time. Oof. Hmm. I didn't know he was in that. Honestly, yeah, I, I think he was only in the first episode because he played the boyfriend and uh... then because it was in reverse chronological order, he didn't factor in after that. Because it wasn't about Versace, it was about Andrew Cunanan, played by Darren yeah. Chris, Ryan Murphy's other guy. Yeah. Darren Chris, who I was surprised is uh, sir not appearing in this episode, by the way. Well, yeah, that's because oh, he yeah. died last episode. I forgot no, about that. He didn't die. He got he got an eye injury by way of rock salt slushy so he could go be on how to succeed in business without really trying. He's going to come back next week with a bionic eye and it's going to glow like cable. <laughs> yeah, I remember that happening in Glee. <laughs> it wouldn't be the dumbest thing to happen in Glee. <laughs> Anyway, the Ricky Martin's whole, his whole lesson, like he's trying to teach different forms of to be, you know, Sarah and a star, the foundations of the Spanish language. And one of the students is a middle-aged lady who is complaining about the person who does her maid service using her own, using the bathroom at her house. And he goes into this whole diet, not, not a diatribe, because it's a, it's a, fair point which is like by 2030 said in 2013 or 2012 excuse me he says the majority of americans will use spanish for their first language and by 2025 your dentist will be latino so we'll see how that happens i guess (laughs) also the dad from smart guy is there and he says that he has really nice teeth oh yeah he does have nice teeth but you know that's what being a celebrity with money for dental stuff pays for (laughs) Yeah, but they, like, work it into the character because after Will's talking to him and he's like, yeah, this is my first job as a teacher. Uh, I've, I've spent most of my life being a tooth model. <laughs> but then I realized I was spending too much of my life flossing and not enough living. <laughs> and he wants to make a difference in people's <laughs> lives. I do think that Glee is good, is, is good at coming up with absolutely insane backstories for characters like that. Like, sure, I, I'll believe that, Glee. He used to be a tooth model. <laughs> okay, so, the, yeah, the character is Dave Martinez, and Dave is like, but Will, I'm so impressed because you're a Spanish teacher during the day, and you also teach a Glee club. That's so cool. I also love singing. Because, you know, <laughs> fun science fact, uh-huh. because we're trying to fund Glee clubs in schools. Is that the taking info in through song makes it easier to do that. Wait, hold up. Did, did we say how this interaction happens? Uh, I didn't take down the details. In it, general, it's, it's like... It's that Will is Will is trying to, I don't know, like, befriend the teacher so that he can get a better grade. And he says, can I buy you a cup of cafe? Yeah! Which is Spanish for coffee. And then we cut to the teacher's lounge with the lights off. Like, this is- they couldn't even reuse the lima bean set. They had to just go to the teacher's lounge. Can you imagine the 24-hour lima bean? God. Could you imagine Kurt and Blaine there in a haze at 2 a.m. trying to Google, I don't know, which fashion designer they are for their quiz on BuzzFeed or whatever? Oh my god. No, I imagine it's much more like a Waffle House. Ah. You, you go to the lima bean at 2 a.m. and Ricky Martin's there deflecting chairs. Oh my god. <laughs> I did like how he was like, can I buy you a coffee? And then like took him to the teacher's lounge and presumably just made it for him in their like shitty coffee machine. 
Uh-huh. It's probably one of those coffee vending machines where you still have to plug, like, two quarters in uh-huh. so it dispenses it. <laughs> yeah. And also, Ricky Martin keeps on dropping Spanish stuff because he assumes that Will knows it. Uh-huh. And Will's just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spanish. Yeah. But eventually, Will is like, his internal monologue, he's like, oh, if I got the kids to sing in Spanish, then I'd definitely look good and I'd be able to get the tenor. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because, like, that's not really, like, you're not actually doing anything with your Spanish class. You're doing that with the Glee Club. Like, I... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And as we'll see, doing it with Glee Club almost made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the other the other thing that comes up is uh, Ricky Martin keeps on bringing up Duende, mm-hmm. which the show is going to go on to talk about, like, passion. No, Will keeps bringing up Duende. Okay, so I'm I'm taking the show's word for it, that it means passion or something along those lines. I could not find that on the internet. It means charisma. According to Wikipedia, it's a little dwarf guy. Yeah. I think it's both. Like, I've heard it used both ways. Okay, I'm taking... I, I had to put a lot of faith in the Glee writers. If you're saying it can go both ways, I trust you implicitly a lot more than I trust the Glee writers. Anyway, we cut to fucking sexual harassment. <laughs> Yeah! We have not seen Sue Sylvester in what feels like an episode and a half. <laughs> Blessedly. Yeah, I, just, I, I can't remember she, her doing anything. I think she only showed up in the, the mid-season premiere to say, Oh darn, I've I my man was stolen from me. Moving on. But no, now she's back, and she's decided that all her problems will be solved by having a baby. So she's gonna steal the sperm of the Glee Boys. The underage Glee Boys. I don't care how <sighs> tall they are. In the fiction of the universe. God... Okay, well, I guess Puck is technically 18, but we've already established that technically is still a red flag. Yes. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> this whole plot is fucking weird, y'all. It's yeah. bad. Sue, Sue Sylvester has learned nothing from witnessing the lives of, from witnessing Will and Terry Schuster's marriage disintegrating in a fire explosion and everything going on with Quinn for Ray for the last three and a half seasons. And she's decided that her life will be fixed by having a baby. I don't even think she ever explains why she wants a baby other than felt like it. No, yeah, Yeah. she super doesn't. No. And after Will calls her out for, like, trying to solicit sperm donations from the students, she asks him if he wants to donate to the Sue Sylvester Can Have a Baby Fund. (laughs) And he kind of, like, brushes her off, and it turns out that a student complained about Sue's coaching methods and that it's time for her to shape up the Cheerios with the help of Coach Roz Washington, who is a bronze Olympic medalist in swimming. I love Coach Roz Washington, but I do yeah. want to do a quick aside that Sue had her eggs frozen in the 70s by doing it herself and sticking them in a Kroger meat locker. So, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure, I'll integrate that into my belief system. Yeah. No, I refuse. I refuse. Again, another one of those absolutely insane character details that Glee could pull out, and I'll be like, yeah, I guess that makes sense for Glee. (sighs) It's truly wild how this was, like, deep in Glee's era of we're trying to teach the kids a lesson, but they still just say the most buckwild things without any prompting. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyways, where will you be in the year 2030? Broadway, walking, jail, or dead, or both? (laughs) Yeah, that joke didn't age well. No. Or it aged too well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to make a quick note that 
at the beginning of the scene, there's a part where Santana is just sitting there, like Italy shaking some maracas, and I feel like that gif was all the rage on Tumblr back in the day. Yeah, it's it's a very blasé maraca ing. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's Spanish week, and Brittany says, "I'm bilingual." Yes, you are, sweetie. Yes, you are. <laughs> She's probably better at Spanish than Will, actually. <laughs> Oh, man. She's probably good at a random language that no one expected. Like, I bet she's perfectly fluent in German. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, Icelandic or something. She's really good at Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like Penny from Happy Ending. She can speak fluent Italian, but only when she's drunk. Oh, God. God. Um. Uh, and anyway, uh, Will decides to pull a... He decides to take a leaf from david beckham in 2022's playbook and he says i love all things latin i love latin food i love latin seasonings i love latin music i love latin people i have lots of latin friends and here's one now definitely something that a guy with a lot of latin friends would say Uh uh-huh and in quick sequence we have rachel sugar who is here which is excellent sugar is here everybody and then finally Artie all comment on how cute Ricky Martin's smile is and Artie's like a hmm I won't worry about thinking about this for another five years yeah this yeah. is this is every a glee cup guy's bioawakening moment yeah <laughs> I can't argue with that I, I did have a tumblr friend who I've unfortunately lost touch with since then but she wrote a whole thing where it's like, remember how in The Substitute with Gwyneth Paltrow, that was what led Santana to realizing she was gay? I'm pretty sure in The Spanish Teacher, interacting with Ricky Martin is what will lead Rory to realizing he's gay. Rory, huh. I had forgotten. <laughs> this is Rory Watch. He can't fucking dance. Yeah, I had forgotten that this was the season of Rory. I did watch The Glee Project. I have read a lot about like the, the filming of The Glee Project as well, because it's something that fascinates me. Uh, had completely <laughs> forgotten that this was the season of Rory. Yeah. Yeah. This is also, I should say that we're recording this on the premiere of Dancing with the Stars Ireland, which Damien is on. Oh shit! Good for him! Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, it started airing, so I'm gonna be watching it as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> but he, it, I, they have, they did announce that he's gonna be dancing the tango to the Ed Sheeran gay vampire song. Oh my god. And he had to get a spray tan for it. Oh no. Oh, incredible. Yeah, take it from the from the hex code for white to plus one. <laughs> he's like he's in his Instagram story and is like, "All the I've never gotten a spray tan before, but I can tell you it's really sticky." And then his dog Puddles is like sniffing him and being like, "What the hell is going on with you?" <laughs> oh man. Uh, so real quick, when when Will is introducing the uh musical theme for this week. He's standing there and he's describing what he thinks is Duende next to Ricky Martin, who is just having the best facial journeys as Will is like, it's all about Latin soul and you gotta, and your movement and your passion. He's just sitting there like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a great expression (laughs) on his face. It's, it's really good because you could like palpably tell that he's trying to be polite and like not correct him. And then he kind of, like, finds a way to do it anyway. He's like, yes, I am a guest star on this show, and I'm not going to be rude to my fellow, to the people who are here regularly. But he does tell Will something to the effect of, like, I can take it from here. And he says it in Spanish, and Will is like, yes, Mr. Shu, if I may. (laughs) Yeah. And he does. 
he certainly does. Uh, let me get the fir- yeah. the first actual musical number of the episode, which is yeah, because because <laughs> Ricky Martin is explaining Duende, and Santana's like, "Hey, Mr. Martinez, could you show us?" Because she just wants him to show up and like show off in front of Will and Kurt crosses his legs like, "Oh dear God, please yes." Oh, Kurt. Kurt is feeling more... How do I How do I put this? Kurt is having more sexual awakenings here than the time where he had actual sex with Blaine. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, this is the best song of the episode. It, yeah, it I disagree. Is, huh? But it does slap, Christina. You gotta agree. Yeah. My notes for this musical number were literally, everybody is horned up for this. I haven't heard the song <laughs> since literal high school, which was Kurt when this was airing. I, I do prefer this a mile above the original. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Because it's kind of a, I guess it's a Spanglish kind of translation. Uh, Ricky Martin swaps between using English and Spanish for the lyrics, and it sounds good. Like, he keeps meter and everything, which is something that I will be talking about when we get to the last musical number of the episode quite a lot. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, because all all of the songs of this episode are bilingual. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, Will made a real funny face that was also one of those gifts on Tumblr that was popular for a long time. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I I distinctly remember it was like uh, it was like a four or six image set that was just that a gif of him doing that <laughs> face over and over again. <laughs> I could like picture like I've ne- I've I don't think I've seen the original, but I could like vividly imagine that in my mind's eye as a Tumblr post. <laughs> it's a pity that I can't time travel back to 2012 Tumblr, or else I would find it. <laughs> And the thing I really like about this number is that pretty much everyone has a chance to shine and, like, do a little dance with Ricky Martin. Yeah! So, like, Corey's doing body rolls, Mark is doing, quote, the saw, unquote. Damien is doing some kind of, like, horizontal... He shimmies. He he does a shimmy. He does a shimmy across the floor with Ricky. There's a little, like, chair number with Mike and Brittany. We do get to cut to Sugar just, like, doing push-ups while blatantly thirsting over the guy. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, like, he just walks past Kurt and, like, touches his shoulder, and Kurt is just, like, about to burst into flames. (laughs) And then, (laughs) later on, Kurt, like, jumps into a chair and leans back and fires his legs into the air. Kurt, your boyfriend has been gone for a week. (laughs) It's time to move on, Kurt. Oh my god. He's not gonna make it. I'm afraid it's terminal. (laughs) Blaine's been turned into a rat. (laughs) Oh god. (sighs) But yeah, everyone here is sexy and they know it. Apparently Um, Except for Will. Who is in the background, like, more good, more good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something. It really is. And then we cut to a crime against Sam Sadie's. (laughs) I don't know, I liked it. See, the next scene is that Emma is talking to Sam and Mercedes and is providing relationship counseling. And what she suggests, because they are both, like, confused about how to proceed with, with this potential relationship. And... There's a part where Mercedes is like, oh, Sam just tweeted that I smell good. And he says, I won't stop till it's trending. Oh my god. Because he just loves this woman so much. And Emma gives them pamphlets because her thing this episode is pamphlets. And she gives Mercedes one that says, so you're a two-timing hoe. And she gives Sam one that says, so you're dating a two-timing hoe. God. But Emma's suggestion is, like, spend a week... Like, not talking to each other. Like, don't text, don't speak, 
don't tweet. Like, if you have to express yourselves to each other, do it through song, but don't talk and, like, spend time reflecting on your own feelings and then figure it out on Friday. And my, I had the thought last night after I watched the episode, I was like, were they just doing this so that they couldn't give Cord and Amber things to do in this episode? I was also (laughs) thinking that. (laughs) I was like, did they run out of plot? Sorry, Sam and Mercedes, you can't have plot because this is a Will episode, goddammit. Like, uh-oh, we forgot to write a C-ply into this episode. I guess they just won't talk to each other. Yeah, have it be about not talking. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm checking I'm checking Twitter, and there are a lot of tweets from 2012 that are hashtag Mercedes smells good. Excellent. I hope it trended. I also hope it trended. Um, no, I actually like this, and I think, because they do interact, it's just they only interact with the music, and I think it is good to, like, it's a good way to develop the relationship without having to burn a lot of stuff with their relationship. They don't want to go, like, deep into the drama of Sam Sadie's, they want it to feel a lot more natural, and this feels like a more natural progression. Yeah, I'm not faulting that, I'm just also saying, like, hmm, you didn't want them to talk, huh? <laughs> yeah. They, they needed the airtime to for Sue's baby. <laughs> God, Apparently. I um I had forgotten that the like Sam Mercedes random other guy love triangle was a thing. Yeah, the whole thing is fascinating because the other guy only showed up because Sam Mercedes got canceled when Cord left the show, and then the triangle only happened because they negotiated Cord back onto the show. Yeah, that uh-huh. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I love I love when shows have to do shit like that because like an actor left and then like decided no actually I'm 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 come back now. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm back. I'm of the opinion, because I like Mercedes' boyfriend, so I'm of the opinion that Sam should have set his sights on someone else, and then Shane would have been, like, the non-singing hype man for the Glee Club. Uh That would have been uh so much fun. It could have been very... It could have been as healthy of a a love triangle as you can get on Glee. God. (laughs) Which isn't saying much. Yeah. It's a very low bar to surpass. Because the thing is, then in season four, then Blaine could have dated... Or Sam could have dated Blaine. Oh, that's true. You're onto something here. I'm blam hive until I die. (laughs) I love Sam Sadie's, but if the price of getting rid of Clayne is sacrificing Sam Sadie's, I can accept this. I cannot. Mercedes doesn't need a man. I'm happy if she gets one, but she doesn't need one. True, but have you considered Sam Evans? What if polycules? Also true. (laughs) True. (laughs) What if Mercedes, Sam, Kurt, and Blaine all move to Seattle? Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. See, this is why this is why it's good to have multiple people writing fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, crumping. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good crumping. Yeah. I gotta say. Yeah. The, it's a routine by the Cheerios set to a song whose name I didn't write down. And I just wrote down instead, modern equals black. Uh, I mean, it is Roz. Yeah, but it's like... Based on what we know of Roz, she is either gonna go crumping or she would be doing some weird, like, dry, synchronized swimming. Yeah, yeah, it's just like the... She's like, oh, Coach... Oh, Coach Sylvester, I think it's clear that the Cheerios like my modern dancing more than your 1950s standbys. And it's like, okay, I'm not gonna object to it, but it's... Come on. (laughs) The song they're dancing to is Dang Diggy Dang by the Beatards. Huh. I did not assume that that was a real song, and I was just like, oh, surely this is just music that they made up and recorded for the show. <laughs> like, this does not sound like real, like a real song. This is, like, royalty-free music. Yeah. 
Is this the first appearance of Roz in the show? Like, has she... Mm-mm. This is okay. the second. She got to do... Two episodes ago, she got her big introduction with her monologue about Sam's got the biggest lips on a white boy and one of his nipples is higher than the other. And if he pees in her swimming pool, she will kill you. And I love her forever. Okay. Because, yeah, I like her. This felt like an introductory episode to the point where I was like, surely this can't be your first episode. This is pretty late in the show. Yeah, she does kind of just storm onto the scene. Mm-hmm. She made such a good impact on Glee that she was brought in to be a series regular on Ryan Murphy's other show the next year. That's wild, but, like, I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not gonna object to her getting work because she deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so Sue accuses Roz of trying to scoop the Cheerios coach position after Sue goes on maternity leave, and Roz is shaken because how the hell is Sue taking maternity leave? Sue said she's going to have a baby, and Roz's response is, with whose vagina? Yeah. Sue, you can't have no baby. You are old as a hill. You're going to give birth to no grandchild. You're going to give birth to a grandchild. You're going to get up in those stirrups and push and push, and a full-grown adult going to pop out with a briefcase talking on a cell phone. Yeah. And, like, I did some Googling, and at this point, Jane Lynch was 52, which is just outside of the average range for when people with uteruses can get pregnant um so as long as she hasn't had menopause yet she could still theoretically become pregnant naturally however there's no like there's no telling how viable the pregnancy would be so big shrug it's just in the fiction of the show sue is like every age yeah simultaneously it's the running joke that she says she's 30 but like everyone assumes she's way older Mm -hmm. maybe she's one of those people from cocoon say what Oh, wait, am I the only person here who saw the film's Cocoon and Cocoon the Return? Yes. Same more, yes. though. Okay, never mind, then. <laughs> Should I disregard the joke, or is this the part of the podcast where I explain Cocoon? God. How long would it take? So there's this movie called Cocoon, and it's about a bunch of aliens that sleep in cocoons at the bottom of the... Of the like, they, they, they go to a pool, and then they the aliens fill it with life energy because they're going to bring the cocoons back to their home planet. And then a bunch of old people find the cocoons, and they swim in there, and they, like, become really youthful. Like, they don't de-age, but they get all, like, their vigor back. And then they all, like, at the end of the film, the cocoons have to go back under the sea, but the aliens take the old people with them to turn them into aliens so that they can live longer. And then Cocoon the Return, they return for the cocoons, but now the government's after the cocoons. And also the old people discover that because they're on the the cool alien planet and turn into aliens, that they can now have babies. And so one lady's like, I'm going to stay on Earth to have my baby. And the other one's like, I'm going to go back to my home planet to have my baby. So that's explained Sue. She had a cocoon experience. Sure, why not? I guess. <laughs> it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I don't know why. It's kind of crazy to me that, like, the butt of the joke of her storyline is like, oh, haha, you're too old to have a kid. And, like, no one considers her fostering a child as an option. Yeah. It's, it feels like there's a thing where it's like, Sue Sylvester wants to, like, like, pass on her own genes. But it's also like, I don't know. That is, I feel like that is very much in line with, like, the way that network television of that time treated, like, pregnancy and, like, having babies, though. Like, adoption and, like, fostering children was, like, not a part of the conversation when they did pregnancy storylines. I mean, we had one on Glee. <laughs> I Well, yeah, that is true. Well, one and a half. We had an attempt and a successful. Yeah, I forgot about Quinn's baby. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for Twilight. Oh yeah, it is time for Twilight. Oh yeah, I liked that. I like that scene. <laughs> this is a good scene. Yeah, it's 
It's it's Kurt, Mercedes, and Rachel swapping popcorn while they watch Twilight New Moon, and Rachel and Mercedes both project onto Bella Swan. Rachel reveals to the two of them, she's like, can you keep a secret? And probably they can. Will they? We don't know. Let's find out. But Rachel reveals to Kurt and Mercedes that she got engaged to Finn. She's been wearing her ring on a necklace so she can, I don't know, hide it. And both of them immediately say that getting married this early is a bad idea. And they're right. They are. I, uh... This episode has a couple a couple really good scenes of just, like, the teens hanging out that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I like when they are friends. And this season in particular is good at saying, hey, these teens, they're friends. Yeah. It is. It is. They care about each other and they tell each other things like, don't get fucking married at 18. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I also went to school with, like, people who got engaged that early. And so I was like, oh, no, this is suddenly too real. <laughs> like, it wasn't oh, when I was no. watching the show before, but I get it now. <laughs> yeah. There were, yeah, there were two teen engagements in my senior class. And one of them was, in fact, a shotgun wedding. Oh, God. Uh-oh. I don't think there were any in my senior class. But the only couple that I knew who was dating seriously enough to probably get married, actually, at some point, like, they had discussed and they agreed they were going to take a break while they went to college. And I was on Facebook a while ago and found out that, yeah, hey, they did get, they did end up getting married. So they made the right decisions. <laughs> oh, good for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the version of some of my other friends where they were like at their wedding, they were saying, yeah, we probably would have gotten engaged in high school if either of us knew that the other was actually shared the feelings. Because they were both <laughs> in that like, oh, I love them, but they'll never like me. Aww. And then, like, about ten years later, ah, plot twist, actually, they do like you. (laughs) Aww, that's adorable. That is very funny, because it's similar to what happened with me and my wife, where we were best friends throughout most of high school, and then the year that we both started college, she was in a different state, and that was when we started dating. (laughs) 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 And then she uh, transferred transferred schools and uh we went to school together for the next three years <laughs> nice yeah all all of this is to say that it's now time for mercedes to sing mm-hmm. uh si voy a ya don't want to lose you by gloria estefan mm-hmm. it's really good because it's, really it's mercedes because it's and, Riley. and she learned spanish for this role yes <laughs> oh yeah i do actually now that you say it, i just realized that leah michelle doesn't speak a lick of spanish in this episode nope she does not She gave up her rights to a solo so that she wouldn't have to learn another language. (laughs) Or even just how to sing. (laughs) I can't remember the timeline. Maybe it was after this episode that she tried to learn Spanish so that she could play Maria in West Side Story. It was after. It was after. Okay. She was like, oh no, Amber Riley's showing me up by learning Spanish. Yeah. I just wrote down, it's good. Everyone applauds. They're so proud of her. No notes. It's good. It's a, it's a great performance. Yeah, it's Ava Riley. It's what she does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She fucking knocks it out of the park. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we have a commercial break and then immediately go into the next song. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Well, because they had a commercial so that you could get up and walk around when it aired. But we're watching this on streaming, probably. Yep. And so we're like, hey, time for another song now. Smash cut back to musical number. Yes. And this one is uh, Sam and the boys, but it's Sam Solo and the boys on backup uh, singing Bambaleo mashed up with Hero. I thought it was a lot of fun. I also thought it was fun. 
I do like a mashup. I have to check if Enrique Iglesias has done anything lately, because I feel like he dropped off the face of the earth. I have some fun trivia about the musical number, which is that the song, uh, the song of Bamboleo is by a band. Are we saying their name? Okay, so listen, I wrote them in my notes as the Romani Kings. That's not their name, so you can assume what yes. their name is. Now, fortunately, Christina did research, and apparently they do actually have Romani heritage. So yeah, if they want to like, use the other word, that's great for them. I don't feel comfortable saying it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in... This is wild for the time frame, because in the 1930s was when, like, Romani people in Spain and in the Catalan region in particular were... I don't know if it was, like, a government, like kicking them out thing or if it was just a peer pressure exodus kind of a thing but they left spain and they settled directly across the border in the Arles and montpellier region which i had no idea about when i was when i did my study abroad and i was literally in those regions oh wow <laughs> like studying and it's like why didn't i know this when i was studying abroad i could have heard some i could have heard some great fucking music but the romani kings themselves are actually like second or third generation descendants of the Spanish and Catalan Romani people who had to leave Spain. <laughs> so, like, they're legit. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, and it's also <laughs> it's also weird because, like, Glee is singing a song in Catalan, which is not Spanish. It's not the exact same. But they're singing it in costumes that are, that are bolo ties and the curled boots that were trendy for Mexican male electronic groups in 2009 to 2013. So, like, they're making an effort. But the music was great. Yes. And at the end of it, Will says, That was muy great, guys. And I just wrote in my notes, Muy means very. <laughs> Translators know Keikaku means plan. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I also, okay, I did a look at Indique Iglesias. Um, so he released an album in 2014, and then he did nothing until 2021, where he released the first of his two-part final album, saying that he's not going to stop writing music, but these are going to be the last albums he makes. Huh. But he really did seem to drop off the face of the earth after, like, 2010, because 2010 was, like, tonight I'm fucking you, and then nothing. Huh. Anyway. Anyway. Santana tells Will that he better step up his game because he's going to have to be involved in a diva off against Dave to defend his honor or something. Good. I, I like how much of this episode Santana spends actively fucking with Will. Yeah. As she should. As she should. 30 minutes of this 45 minute episode are just Santana luring Will into a saw trap. Yeah. Like she doesn't <laughs> even have her own plot line this episode. She just like shows up to destroy Will's life and good for her. Today I am going to make this man miserable. Yeah. <laughs> She's causing problems on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the right thing to do. Yes. Yes. Um, speaking of the right thing to do? Question mark? Um, uh... Please don't hog my husband's nog. Yeah. <sighs> it's a pamphlet, you see. I will say, I liked Emma in this episode. I thought it was a strong Emma episode. Yeah. Yeah, Emma Emma definitely got a chance to shine since Will was just constantly being dunked on. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. It's the natural balance of things. <laughs> yep. She's she gives a pamphlet to Sue and Sue's like, "Okay, have a seat, Ladybird Hollow Pelvis. Careful of your fragile bones." And then she goes on this whole monologue about how like she's filled with hate every hour of every day, but Will is somehow not, and so she wants her child to inherit his generic pure-heartedness or something, which is weird 
because I'd like to think that when I have a kid, they will inherit my hate of Will Schuster. <laughs> and I, and also, it's weird that this is an episode. This scene goes out of its way to talk about how nice and kind Will is when the rest of it is dedicated to showing that he's a mean, petty asshole. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> they were like, "Well, we want this episode to make him look bad, but not too bad." <laughs> no quarter. It's like this. This plot could have happened last week, or it also could have happened next week. Oof. <laughs> it's like they were like contractually obligated to have their one scene in there where they talk about what a nice guy he is actually, <laughs> while he's like <laughs> running around being, being a huge asshole to everyone in the background. Mm-hmm. It's it's like how it's like how Rock the Dwayne Johnson has in his contract that he can't lose any yeah. fights. This is uh huh uh huh. In Matthew Morrison's contract, it's like you have to be nice to me. <laughs> <sighs> I refuse to be nice to William Schuster. Same, same. <laughs> Matthew Morrison's not doing himself any favors either. Uh, and, and next scene, uh, we cut to Kurt going into the gym. Finn asks if he wants to even lift, and Kurt is like, no, I don't see appeal. Which is funny, because by season five, Kurt has gotten way into weightlifting, and also these days, Chris Colfer is kind of jacked. Mm-hmm. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta look up a picture of what Chris Colfer looks like now. Look up his Halloween costumes with his partner. Doesn't he write, like, YA books now? Why is he ripped? He does. <laughs> because he moved to West Hollywood. Oh yeah, he kind of is, huh? Mm-hmm. Living his best life. <laughs> Yeah, good for him. I I like the scene. I thought it was another good scene of like, hey, they're friends. Yeah, I literally just like I wrote down the beginning and then the end, and in the middle, I just put good scene with the brothers. Yeah, because I was just watching it and I was enjoying what I was watching. Because it's like Kurt comes in while Finn is weightlifting and gives him brochures for schools in New York, and they they talk they talk about how like. Finn feels like he has no other options with what to do with his life besides marry Rachel. And Kurt tells him, like, look, there are, there are plenty of schools that would love to have a, a straight, male, tall football player in their musical theater program. <laughs> Again, like, do you know how good you would be at doing lifts? <laughs> but also, like, he tells Finn, like, you are a star, and you deserve more in life than just being Rachel's handbag holder on the red carpet. Like, you are a star, and you shine just as brightly as any of us do. And he finishes the scene by saying, your time isn't up, Finn, it's just beginning. Yeah. Brothers. Boys are good. Good brothers. Good lads. And then we have to suffer again. Yep. <laughs> do we have to? Well, we don't have to, but we did. I think more so Sue and Will have to suffer. Because Sue goes up to Santana in the, the... I was about to say the alley. That's not right. If it was in the alley, then Santana would have just killed her where she stood. But she goes up to her in the hallway and accuses Santana of lodging the complaint against her just when she's trying to have a baby. And so naturally Santana responds, With whose vagina? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she's yelling at Santana and Will tries to intercede and she tells Will that she doesn't need his sperm anymore. And Will says in Spanish, uh, ¿Quién es más maquísimo de Will Schuster? Which the translation says, Who's more manly of from Will Schuster? Yeah. Because because the correct superlative would be más que, not más de. <laughs> but again, this man cannot speak Spanish. Yes. 
cannot conjugate to save his life. No. And so, in in order to for him to get his manliness back, he's he's translating an Elvis song, and uh, while he's doing <sighs> that, Emma comes over with her box of new pamphlets. She's like, Ooh, I just feel like Stephen King. The spirit's moving me, and I'm just pumping these out. They're so of the moment. Yeah. I love that for her. I I do, too. And as Will is sitting there, notably with his Spanish to English dictionary, which will come back in a few minutes, as he's sitting there getting stressed, Emma Blake puts pamphlets on top of his page in the dictionary, like... I didn't write down what they were, but it was things like, oh, so here's why here's why too much competition is a bad thing. And I forget what the other one was, but it was like two or three of them along those lines. One of them I wrote down was performing anxiety. It's not just for teen boys. Mm-hmm. And then when, <laughs> when Will's like, Emma, this is serious. If I win this, I could get tenor and then our kids will have medical insurance. And so then she replies with the pamphlet, no insurance, no problem. How to give yourself stitches. Yeah. God, and Will is just, he's Taylor Swift's mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Emma's just over here like, well, look, I was just, I'm, I am proud of the work that I am doing. And I was hoping that you would also be happy and proud of me for the work that I am doing and reaching out to these kids. And he's like, these titles are stupid. And she's like, well, sometimes you have to be a little provocative to get teenagers attention. And I just wrote down, rolling back from my microphone. Break up already! (laughs) Girl, dump him. They got engaged two episodes ago and I already want them to break up. <laughs> we gotta call the whole man trash services for running you throughout the whole man. <laughs> I almost just spat my water out. I really like Emma's <laughs> outfits in this episode. Yeah, they're good. Oh my god, I forgot to say earlier, Sugar is wearing the most insane outfit during like the Mercedes and Sam numbers in the Glee Club room. I don't know if anyone else clocked this, but she is wearing, like, a winter hat indoors. Oh, yeah, no, I do remember seeing that. Yeah, she just does that. <laughs> cool. I, I'm pretty sure she borrowed that from Kurt. That would make perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's a little Ushanka moment. <laughs> we love a little Ushanka moment. Smash cut to musical number. Yes, Madonna. Madonna. This one is good if you don't think how... If you don't think too hard about how weirdly sexy it is. I just yeah. <laughs> I, I just wrote down that instead of being performed by Santana and David, it was by Naya and Ricky. Yes, because exactly. These are these are two adults. This is not a teacher and a high school student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is usually I can suspend my disbelief and like, oh, these are definitely 18 year olds. No, Naya no. Rivera is 25. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They very much, like, dressed her up and made her up to look, like, older than a high school student in the scene also. Yeah. Because she's got, like, a black top, black shorts, like, tall black boots with big heels. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a great musical number. Yeah. Her dancing is good. It's a laser light show. There was a, uh, there was a part in the middle of the musical number where Finn leans over to Will and he says, like, Hey, why, what's up with the fancy jacket? I thought you were Kurt there for a second. And Will looks up with what are probably tears of desperation in his eyes. And he says, I am an authentic Spanish matador. And I wrote down, he probably just stole an outfit from the local production of Man of La Mancha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just like had that in the in the Spanish club closet. Probably. But yeah, musical number is La, La Isla Bonita is great. Yeah. Now let's come crashing down. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Santana says something about like, oh, cool. Now it's time for Mr. Shu to step it up and see how he fares against and against Mr. Mar- against Senor Martinez or whatever. And Ricky is like, I actually have to go. Uh, I have to go grade papers. So bye, guys. It's good to see you. He gives like a little peace sign as he leaves. I thought yeah. that it was so funny how they like so quickly have him exit the scene so that he doesn't see Will getting embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, that has to be the writerly decision for this, right? I feel like if Ricky and Santana had both been in the next scene, they would uh-huh. have comp- they would have they would have like combined efforts to tag team suplex Bill Schuster off the stage and into the orchestra pit. Yeah, they would have Very like so. powered up a beam attack against him. <laughs> this is it's a fucking Usually mess. it's Christina skipping musical numbers that are cringe and me just like grinning and bearing it. But no, this time I skipped it and it sounds like Christina, you have notes. <laughs> I I will confess that for a lot of this episode, if it was a scene with Will, I had the whole thing muted. Oh God. <laughs> I was relying on the subtitles to get me through it, but I did, <laughs> I did listen to this. He is singing A Little Less Conversation by Elvis and his translation is Nauseating Santana. Yeah. Because, like, this is an example of why when you are translating, you translate for the for the intended effect, for the emotions, to make it fit the rhyme scheme instead of a direct one-to-one translation. Because as Will is singing and prancing around on the stage like a marionette, there's a part where he switches into Spanish for his lyrics, and... He is having to speak so fast that in the audience, there's a shot of, like, Rachel and Finn and Quinn. Quinn looks aghast. Finn is trying to bob his head and keep up in time, but he cannot keep up with how fast Will is having to to sing in order to fit the meter of the song. And Rachel looks so confused and disappointed. And you know what's got to be bad when Leah Michelle is disappointed in your performance? Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then... (laughs) So he's dressed up in a mariachi outfit, and he is being abetted by a, by an actual group of mariachi musicians. And he fucking has Mike and Brittany come out to play bulls, and they do a mandatory routine. <sighs> and Satan is also just like, excuse me, you roped Brittany into this bullshit? <laughs> mm-hmm. She didn't know any better. Yeah. And, like, at the end of it, Will does a little twirl, and he says, Muchas gracias. And I just wrote down, what a goddamn train wreck. And you know who else was disappointed? Was Santana. (laughs) As she should be. Because she goes on this whole diatribe about about how bad of a teacher Will is, and he's like, oh, you're the one who sent in the comment about me being a bad teacher to Principal Figgins. And she's like, yeah, because you don't know how to, you don't know anything about Spanish, the language, any of the cultures that speak Spanish. She says, you don't even know enough to be embarrassed about the stereotypes you're perpetuating. (laughs) Yeah, she really just lays into him. It's a great moment. That must have been so cathartic for Naya, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is good. And then, like, the song Looking Back gets played as she reminds Will that, like, she's like, why did you want to be a Spanish teacher? And he says, because that was the opening on the staff that was available when I was applying for the position. Yep. And she says, 
your passion is teaching something about like oh like it's important to work with your passions and he's like oh who taught you that and she's like the best teacher i know did you and i'm like ah! you ruined it you should have just left it and i hate you please die yeah. yeah yeah again it's like he has to be an asshole but not too much of an asshole he can't not be redeemed but maybe he shouldn't have been redeemed yeah yeah anyways jockstraps yep big Big, big fan. Be- Beast is a big fan cleaning your jockstrap, and now he has managed to pass that information on to the lads, thanks to Emma's pamphlets, which teach them all about not getting your junk amputated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something about MRSA. Who? M-R-S-A, which is a disease. Yeah. Oh. A bacterial infection. I was like, who's Marissa? <laughs> she didn't win the Glee Project. God. Mourn you till we join you. <laughs> I liked that this is kind of like Emma's big win of the episode, and Will has to, like, come in fresh <laughs> off of being humiliated and just, like, grin and bear it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, because, like, the whole thing is that, like, Coach is, like, Emma's pamphlets were so effective in getting through to the McKinley High School men, athletes, and also Rory, who was there. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and, like, they they were so effective that Coach Beast... Or- told his partner Cooter, who then ordered a set for his own collegiate football team and also for each team in the Big Ten. That is a lot of money. That is a lot of pamphlets. And Coach Beast says, like, look, Will, your wife's a genius. Aren't you proud of her, William? Yeah. (laughs) And Will just has, like, the most strained expression on his face. Yeah. I quite enjoy when they do the flashback to Beast handing the pamphlets out to the guys, and so Puck is the one who says, I stopped washing down there because it seemed kind of gay. It's like, fellas. Is practicing basic hygiene gay? Genital hygiene gay. Rory says, I thought that's what the hell was for to catch in the dirt. <laughs> but, but in a way, this scene helps set up Emma as a foil to Sue, because while Sue is trying to steal the boy's junk, Emma helps to protect it. Oh my god. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Anyways, we, we conclude Will's arc because he's back in the night class and it's the last class of the semester, so it must be like an express night class, the way I took express Japan- Japanese in university. Huh. Yeah, oh, it was it was three weeks of like three hours a day. Woof. Because <laughs> I need to make up the credits. Ah, yeah, that'd do it. Yeah, Will wins the most improved award, which is wrong. Yeah. But then Will's like, okay, but you know what, Dave? I've actually dog shit in Spanish, and my kids deserve better. They deserve you as a teacher. And Dave is like, ha ha ha, when do I start? And Will's like, Monday. You have a job now. You have a daytime job now. Have fun trying to reset your circadian rhythms in three days. <laughs> oh, just slam too much melatonin. You'll be fine. Yeah. And Will says, look, I don't think he even ever, like, apologizes for being rude to him. He just says, cool, you're gonna have my job now, and I'm gonna go teach history instead. Because, boy, do I love the History Channel. And I wrote down, he still doesn't have a degree in the subject that he's teaching. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the scene in a later uh, season where we go to the history class, and he's explaining, like, the carrying capacity of a bald eagle. Are you serious? Did they Monty Python that shit? Yeah! He's Why? like, it can lift up to 20 pounds. That's the size of a small dog. God. 
Uh, what's next? Um, next is Bucky in Sue's office helping her with her fertility shots. Bucky? And then Becky. Becky, yes. Did I say something else? You said Bucky, as in as in Captain America's boyfriend. Yeah, the Winter boyfriend. Soldier is here, and he's gonna <laughs> help Sue have a baby. Maybe I'll work that into my fanfic. Um, <laughs> uh, Sue tells her that she broke into Figgins' filing cabinet and recognized Becky's handwriting because it was in crayon, but it was more legible than Britney's. It was better spelled than Britney's. Yes. Brittany has terrible handwriting, so she's going to go on to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be a good doctor. Becky was looking out for the team because she feels like Sue's been distracted, because I guess she spent the whole season trying to seduce Cooter and also run for Congress. Those are things that happened, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, here's, a, here's a, a fun thing that's relevant when we're recording. How many votes do you think Sue would have pushed for? At least two recounts. No, I'm th- I'm think I'm thinking in the in the speaker vote. If if Sue oh was running for speaker, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I think Sue would have only had to do like three or four votes, and that's because at that point she would have just started brutally intimidating the other representatives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That makes total sense. And if she was a holdout, if she was like a mandatory swing vote, she probably would have tried to get it to 134s just so she could say that she helped beat the record. Yeah. 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 God, what a trash heap. Yeah, but yeah, so so Sue is like, I'm not mad, Becky. I'm glad you're the Cheerios co-captain of Santana, and motherhood has given me clarity of perspective, and now I am rededicating myself to destroying the Glee Club. This is not going to come up again for the rest of the season, actually. In fact, she's going to have to do a mandatory 180 in a few episodes. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. And- that is interesting. Yes. And, th- and and then we conclude Sam Sadie's plot for this episode with a riff from Summer Nights. They've, they've been watching the clock, and it's been a week, and they run up to each other in the halls, and just before Mercedes can say that I love you, Shane shows up, and he's like, hey girl, let's go for lunch off campus. Hello, Sam. Yeah. And then they sadly look to each other, because they're star-crossed lovers! Yeah. I want more for them than crumbs of se- than crumbs of screen time. I want them to be the B plot, if not the A plot. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a really undeserved bait and switch. They should have just kissed right there. There should have been like the swelling music and the slow mo run. Uh huh. Oh, sweet mystery of life! At last, I found you. <laughs> God, I should watch Young Frankenstein again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I should watch Flesh of Frankenstein again sometime. That's not important. Um, so <laughs> Emma comes home and Will surprises her with a homemade dinner and also some pamphlets that she criticizes as trite and not very clever. Get wrecked. <laughs> Get absolutely wrecked. Well, can't even make a pamphlet right. <laughs> Look at your shitty pamphlets, yeah, Will. She, she makes fun of them. It's so good. <laughs> but she accepts his apology because she's too nice by half. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that she's the one who got the tenor. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And Will Will apologizes and promises to make her feel special and amazing and they smooch and fine. It's fine. Break up. He, he asks her, he, the episode closes out with him asking her if he has to call her professor now. And she's like, no, you can just call me Emma or sweetheart or cutie pie or dollface or professor dollface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, guidance counselors don't get tenure. That's not a thing. <laughs> No, if they got tenure, my mom would have gotten tenure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but consider what school they're at. I think they need a guidance counselor who, like, can grow a familiarity with these kids because they will never not have problems. Look, every teacher at that school, except for Sue Sylvester and Will Schuster, should be earning hazard pay. Yeah, I- I'm just saying, like, there's no normal kids at McKinley. God. That is a fair point. 
It's like Degrassi. Like you're all problem children at some point in your lives. Real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna go write a fanfic about the one normal kid at McKinley High School. Oh my god. Who, <laughs> who just has problems with like, hey, I'm I am stressed about applying to colleges and oh no, I missed the deadline. And then the Glee Club storms by singing a song. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the episode. That's the episode. Yeah, and there's like there's like no trivia anywhere. There's no <laughs> I couldn't find a single video of like behind the scenes how things went. Which is just wild. That is wild. I'm assuming it it's because everything went great. They had nothing bad to say. It came, it saw, it spoke Spanish. So this this is the part of the episode where we ask each other what what song we want to give a gold star to. Mm. And Marin, you get to go first because you're the guest. <laughs> oh man, I think probably don't want to lose you because Mercedes absolutely kills it. I think that's a good choice. <laughs> like by far, by far the standout of this episode to me. Mm-hmm. Christina, I feel like you agree because you're the Mercedes Dan. I am, yes. Hero Bampaleo is a close second, as is La Isla Bonita, but yeah, I agree. I'm different. I'm sexy and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Since I categorically refuse to be sexy, I, I believe that is your honor, Tanner. <laughs> there are two kind of podcast hosts, the sexy ones and the other ones. <laughs> And Martin, you have to take that back to Argonauts and figure out who's who. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, and now for a, what's a non-musical gold star moment you want to hand out? Oh, I did say that I, well, I'm going to give a non-musical gold star moment to Emma's outfits in this episode. Nice. I think they're good. Nice. I think that's the first fashion gold star we've handed out. Interesting. It might be, honestly. I think whoever did her like wardrobe this episode was like on point it's really good good job yeah. nice i'll always respect the wardrobe people because they know things oh yeah oh yeah and if if you don't treat them well then they will find lots of ways to find pins to put in your seams yeah yeah like here's the thing if you see something has a bad wardrobe either production was rushed or they're committing vengeance sometimes both sometimes nice. both um christina what's your gold star moment santana's revenge yes i agree Santana just spending all episode dunking on Will. Yeah. Santana destroying Will Schuster. <laughs> this, for me, this is the second episode in a row where I'm just like, I like her attitude and how she's here to ruin people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's here to ruin people who deserve it. Yes. <laughs> and now, Marn, what moment do you want a slushy? Oh, boy. Probably Sue trying to solicit sperm from the children. <laughs> 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 agree that really sucked yeah no it's the thing where it's like i know that tanner has talked about this a lot on the podcast but it's like it's that thing where they they wanted to make will schuster look like a fool and by god they did it they were effective at doing it but i didn't like i didn't like how they did it but i will fault them for the sperm thing because that was criminal yep that was pretty bad yeah yeah I, I will be faulting the production because I, my slushy moment is when Sue's like, I want Will's magical nice boy sperm because it just runs counter to the whole episode, like trying to explain to you why Will sucks. God. Yeah, that that as well. <laughs> you know, last night I was, I, I was thinking about how like, why is it that we always get the wildest episodes when we have guests on, but 
this episode was ridiculous, but it wasn't like overly complicated. Like we've only been recording for an hour and a half. That's incredible yeah. time with a guest. Yeah, this episode was like weird, but it like I I know how hard Glee like takes weird sharp left turns and like this episode felt normal compared to some of those yeah yeah i mean i think the fact is i don't i guess it was listed in trivia but it's kind of an open secret that this episode was made to address people's concerns not concerns but just like people saying wow was a spanish teacher who doesn't know anything about spanish and ryan murphy is like i'm going to make an entire episode about that huh yeah it does feel like this was made to address like very specific concerns yeah. And they'll never be addressed again. I wonder if the season went on long enough, we'd have an episode about how Will also knows nothing about history. <laughs> no, see, they would have had to save that for the Hamilton tribute episode. Oh my, you're right, though. He would he would have been trying to, that's what it would have been. Will's trying to teach about the revolution, but he keeps getting his facts wrong. So he has to go to night school, and the night history teacher is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And he comes to help the Glee Club learn about the revolution. <laughs> Oh, real quick, if anyone is interested, I can read some of the reviews that are listed on Wikipedia for the musical numbers. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. One of the reviewers, uh, whose last name is Cheney, described La Cucaracha as mercifully brief. <laughs> Someone said that another one, uh, reviewer Futterman, said that, this per- that the performance of A Little Less Conversation reached a new low, and... Reviewer Slezak gave a one-word summation to accompany the D grade for this musical number. No. <laughs> also, I mean, I... at least you're supposed to think those numbers are scum. Yes. I also have a lot of screenshots of Will Schuster prancing around the stage ineffectually, so we'll have to pick <laughs> from one for the episode. I know for a fact that I've seen, like, the first bit of this episode passed around as, like, a video on Twitter. So, like, immediately when it started, I was like, oh, this is, like, the first 30 seconds of the episode. God. But it's done. We we never have to think about the Spanish teacher again. Good. All right. Martin, thank you for joining us here. Can you tell the folks at home where you can be found on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Corp Survivors. Uh, you can find my other podcasts on the Moonshot Podcast Network at Moonshot Pods <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, and you can find my writing at CardZeroPress.com. Nice. I think it is my turn to do the outro. It is, but you have to do it all in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can try. I I can try with the disclaimer that it's been at least five years since I tried to actively speak Spanish. You you could also just plug the whole thing into Google Translate, which I know isn't going to be perfect, but like... God, I I thought this episode was supposed to be a very special episode about not translating things directly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we went through the episode so fast, if you all will, if you all will grant me the grace of... A couple of minutes <laughs> i will translate this but also i will also make some adjustments so that it will translate correctly okay loser like me as parte de corner podcast network se nos puede escuchar en la plataforma de podcasting de su lección y si no estamos allí infórmenos y trabajaremos para lograrlo nos pueden encontrar en at loser like me pod en twitter y a través de loser like me pod at gmail.com También tenemos nuestro propio servidor Discord y Tumblr con enlaces en la descripción del episodio. Next time, there's somebody from the Glee Project who we haven't seen yet. 
I wonder if they'll show up next time. Oh god. Three, two, one. Y eso es lo que te perdiste en Glee. Not bad, not bad. Great job, everyone. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to loser like me. Loser like me. Loser like me.